This is the Value Investor Podcast with Tracy Reinick. All things value, all the time. Welcome back, value investors. So this is a important moment. This is the 200th episode of the Value Investor Podcast. It's kind of like doing a sitcom where they always have celebrations on the 100th episode of the sitcom and then on the 200th. And then if, if you get to 300, maybe then they do one then. That's what this is like. It's the 200th episode. So we started off pretty small here on the Value Investing Podcast. I decided to start a second podcast after I already had the market edge with just me talking about value stocks. And, you know, I thought I'd just try it and see if anyone would tune in, and you all did. And now the Value Investor podcast is actually more popular than the Market Edge podcast. So yay, yay for all of you for tuning in. And uh, of course, thanks for listening and subscribing. So I just recorded the 235th episode of the Market Edge because, like I said, I already started that one prior to the value investor. So it's a little bit older. And on that episode, we just covered the semiconductor stocks, which I have covered here on the value investor as well. But I've covered them over on the market edge with Kevin Cook, who knows a lot more about semiconductors than I do, because I'm pretty clueless about all the differences amongst the companies. So he is not, and he provided a lot of good information about how the whole semiconductor ecosystem really works. So go check out that episode on the market edge. And I can't really cover the semis right now on the value investor. You know, I used to do those fun episodes about whether or not they were values or value traps with Micron and a whole bunch of the other names. And well, none of them are values, not even Micron. So I can't really do it. I think the cheapest one out there is about 17 times on the PE level, which isn't so bad. That's cheaper than the overall market. But um, overall, you we've got you know 50 times and 70 times earnings over there. And the peg's a little higher than I would like as a value on the peg side, even with the growth. So I can't cover them right now. Um, I will if they fall back into value territory, uh, of course. But for right now, they're kind of off off limits here on the value investor. So go over to the market edge. And of course, the growth stocks continue to rally here. And we're asking nearly every week, of course, where does that leave us as value investors? As we know, there are plenty of value stocks out there. It's just that no one really wants to buy them. And by plenty, I mean, obviously, the banks. There's you know, the big banks, the community banks, the regional banks, every kind of bank. <laughs> and a lot of, like, say, um, insurance related. Uh, so those are all related on the financial side with the banks. Insurance is the, a lot of those have some value right now, too. And um, but nobody wants to be in any of these stocks. Right. That's what makes them value. Now, I did just hear that Warren Buffett has been adding again to his Bank of America position. Bank of America, ticker BAC, is one of his largest positions. And um, he's owned it since the financial crisis when he basically helped bail him out. So he's doubling down, adding more to his position there. Now he has to tell us what he's doing with it because I believe he owns a more than a 10% position now. Um, in fact, I know he does. So that's why he has to tell us. But he gets a little bit of a help from the SEC so that he doesn't have to disclose within 48 hours with some of his buying, but he has to disclose like 
right thereafter. So that's why we're finding out about it now. And, um, you know, a lot of people are avoiding the banks other than him because it's still unclear what's going to happen with bank earnings and what's going to happen with this recession, how bad the loan losses are going to be, whether or not the 10-year Treasury continues to decline and that hits bank earnings again. Um, all these things are really kind of unknown with the banks because for right now, the loan losses have not been bad. The Fed has really put a backstop into the economy. We have the enhanced unemployment. There was the $1,200 checks that went out. There was PPP to businesses. So a lot of the banks have put a lot of money into reserves, but a lot of the loans are not yet in trouble. Oh, and let's hope maybe they don't get in trouble. Uh, but until that happens, a lot of people are a little reluctant to get into any of these. Now, in addition to Bank of America, one of the other top big banks and the one that's still considered the leader, which uh, Warren Buffett also owns some in this bank as well, is JP Morgan, ticker JPM. So I took a look at both JP Morgan and Bank of America to see what was kind of going on with them in terms of valuations right now and what the earnings situation looks like. So Bank of America, again, ticker BAC, is the Zach's number three rank hold. Not surprising, they reported a couple weeks ago. Earnings aren't that great, so you don't have like, you know, earnings on the rise right now <laughs> necessarily. So it's just a hold. PE for Bank of America is 15.8. Uh, PEG is at 2.3. Are they still paying the dividend? I, I don't remember if they've cut or whatever. I don't think the banks have yet though, right? No. So dividend yielding 2.9. Um, this year earnings expected to decline 42%. Not surprising given everything going on. Rebounding 27% for next year. Then I took a look at JP Morgan. JPM is the ticker. They're also a three. PE is similar, but PE of 16, PEG a little bit higher, 3.2, and dividend yield a little bit higher, 3.7%. Earnings expected to be down 44%, and then rebounding another 41% for next year. So it's getting cut, but it's seeing kind of a quick snack back, snack, snap back. <laughs> Can't say that word today. Um, from you know, the analysts, but we don't know yet if that's really what's going to happen in 2021. But they seem pretty bullish that there will be this snapback. But I took a little bit deeper dive into the earnings picture. So in 2019, JP Morgan made 1072. 2020 expected to make 596. That's the earnings decline of 44% right there. But then in 2021, back to 842. So that's the rebound of 41%, but it's well under what they made in 2019. So that was 1072, remember? So it's going to be a little bit longer, a couple of years before they're even back to 2019 earnings. And that's if everything goes, you know, uh, very smoothly and the rebound goes more smoothly. So you, this is why you're going to ask how much are you paying for these shares and is that still cheap enough now remember why buffett is buying more bank of america he has billions in cash sitting out there he wants to do something with it he must buy pretty much large cap stocks to use any amount of that cash 
because otherwise he's just left buying small positions in a whole bunch of small caps and that doesn't get you that far when you have billions sitting there. So this really limits what he can buy, which I've talked about over the years on this show. So as an example, he owns just under 10% of Restoration Hardware now, which is a small cap company, although they might be getting closer to mid cap recently, but still pretty small. And so unless he buys it outright and just buys the entire company, he's probably not going to buy more shares in, in there because you don't want to go over the 10% because then you have a different reporting requirement. It, for instance, you have to report your trades within 48 hours, even though Buffett, again, and Berkshire Hathaway have this exemption from the SEC, so we don't know right away what all of his moves are. But he will have to report it sooner than if he stays under 10% and he can wait until 45 days after the end of the quarter. So he's likely to stay under 10% there. Plus that was just a couple hundred million. That doesn't really get very far. He'd have to buy, you know, a hundred of the RHs of the world to use up a significant amount of his cash. So it's just really hard for him to buy anything unless it's these big mega caps, or again, he buys something outright with the cash. He just buys the entire company. Now, this isn't our problem as a regular investor, and it's not, you know, we have no issue with this. Um, we can buy whatever stocks we want. We're not limited to the large cap or, um, you know, some small cap or a small position in a small cap. None of this. Uh, we, can, we can do whatever we want. So we have a lot more options. That's why I've always said on the show to be careful on just following what Warren Buffett is doing. Um, and that's been true for many years now because he's had this problem for many years. Although occasionally he does, and uh, it was his lieutenants who bought RH, but he does tip his toe into a few of these small caps because they have more limited money and they are deploying more limited amounts of cash. So there have been a few small caps that he's gone into with Berkshire, but um, pretty much he himself is limited to these huge, uh, you know, mega caps and just adding positions like he is to Bank of America right now. So what else is out there? If we can buy anything, what, what can we buy that Warren Buffett cannot buy? Um, a lot of companies have reported second quarter earnings, so we're getting a, a, some new names in there that are having real good fundamentals, but they're still cheap. So I ran the classic value screen that we run many times here on the Value Investor. It's a very narrow screen. It's, it's got the most components of any value screen I can run, and that's because it includes the Zach's rank, but it's not just the number ones, which are the strong buys. It's the number twos, which are just buys. So we have those two components. It also includes the Zach style score for value of A, which is the top of the style scores. So that that's going to limit it because there's only so many of the A's. It includes a PE under 15, the PEG under one, the price to sales under one, and the price to book under two. And then it throws in the price to free cash flow as well. And that is the lower the better as well. So crazy number of components. I'm always surprised that we get, get any stocks that qualify under this because these are the dirt cheap because we, again, we have all the things we look for, the PE, the PEG, price to book, price to sales, the value scores, which includes <clears throat> some of those components I just talked about as well, mixed into the, the value score, 
plus the Zach's rank of number one and number two, which means earnings estimates hopefully are on the rise with both of those. And then um, basically you're getting the ultimate value stocks. That's what I'll call them, right? These are the, the creme de la creme, the Supremes, the ones that are cheap and have everything. And I only got eight companies, eight stocks when I ran the screen. And some of the names are familiar to ones we've talked about. And so I'm gonna talk about three. And one of them is one that I have mentioned many times uh, recently on the podcast because it's still staying with the good, uh, you know, value fundamentals here. So it's worth talking about again. Uh, the other two, I'm not sure I've talked about. One of them I know I haven't because I had to do a deeper dive to see what, kind of what they're doing right now. Um, and there were no banks on this list of eight because they just simply don't have the earnings uh you know, power right now. Their earnings are being cut. They're not on the increase. They mainly have the the Zach's rank of three, four, or five. They're not going to be the ones or the twos. So banks aren't even on here. So what are they? So let's dive in. Um, the first one is Meritage Homes or Meritage. I'm not sure how you pronounce it, but I'm going to go with the French pronunciation. Meritage. Meritage Homes, MTH, is the ticker. They are Zach's number one. They had a blowout quarter as all the home builders are, but this was the only home builder to make the list of the eight. And um, they also pay the highest dividend yielding almost 3% here. So I didn't even screen for that, but they are paying a good dividend yield. So PE just 10.8, PEG is 0.6, price to sales is 0.9, price to book is 1.8. And I, I left off price to free cash flow, but you can go find out what that is too, but it's low. So we're getting all the components here with the value style score of A. And Meritage has really uh, seen a boost off of those earnings and all the home builders have been on fire here, but they're all still cheap. So I still like them. Um, I don't own any in my own personal portfolio, but I am thinking about buying one or two of them here as we head into the fall, which is unusual because spring buying season is where it's at, but it's so hot right now, people are still looking for homes and new housing. So um, I still am liking these into the fall, uh, the fall buying season, which is a thing, but it's much smaller than spring. So Meritage Homes, MTH. The second stock is one I have talked about before, but it's still making the list. Canadian Solar, CSIQ is the ticker. PE is still dirt cheap, 8.8, PEG of just 0.3, price to sales of 0.4, price to book of 0.95. Solar is expected to do much better in the second half of the year. So will it be? It hasn't reported earnings yet, so we're still waiting to find out if this is what they're seeing, if they're seeing demand starting to increase here in the second half. But based on some of the other solar and solar industry-wide reporters that have gone already, Things are looking good, so I'm really liking some of the solar stocks right here, which wasn't the case only a couple of years ago. Now, Canadian Solar's been trading in kind of a narrow trading range. It hasn't really busted out yet, so we'll see if this next earnings report we can get a bust out. But it's still dirt cheap, so not too late to get in on this one, CSIQ. And then the third stock is one that I was a little reluctant, like, man, really? Like, eh, I'm not sure on this one. And it goes by ODP Corporation now. On Zax.com, we still have it under Office Depot, but they do go by ODP Corporation. Ticker is ODP. 
And so maybe it's just the Office Depot thing that's throwing me off, right? Because I was like, me, Office Depot. They also own Office Max, CompuCom, and Grand and Toy. Now, they're not just their stores. So they have 1,300 stores. They also have online. But they're, they're a mix of the retail side that's like you and me going in there and buying a new computer, right? And then they're also huge for business. Both small and medium-sized businesses order a lot of their supplies from ODP Corp, as they're now known. And so that's a lot big separation of their business. Now, they just reported second quarter. I had to go look and I'm like, oh, wait, they're reporting just as I'm recording this. So we'll see you know, what the estimates are gonna do. The estimates are gonna change whether or not they're cut, um, we'll see. So they may lose the number one or number two here because of what's gonna happen with the earnings. But sales were down 17% in second quarter to 2.2 billion. This is not surprising as a lot of businesses were shut down and their stores were shut down. So they both had the retail side not really going into the stores and a lot of businesses not operating out of their offices or other places of business during the quarter. So unusual quarter, right? Um, and so they did not give out same store sales numbers due to the COVID because so many of their stores were shut for so much of the quarter. You can't really compare year over year same store sales anyway. So they didn't give out that. Product sales were down 15% and services were down 26%. Now they do have um, 1.5 billion in liquidity still and they have taken to selling PPE because this is what the businesses need to reopen. They need the masks, they need uh, disinfectants, they need you know mops, they need any kind of cleaning supplies, they need maybe any of the plexiglass, they need uh, face shields, all this stuff. So ODP is now supplying to a lot of businesses these items. So that should be a big winner for them as we move forward during this pandemic. Now, what does it look like with valuations? It's PE is just 4.7. PEG is at 0.7, price to sales is 0.1, and price to book is 0.5. So it is really cheap here. Everybody's been fleeing like I have been out of anything that is retail related and also on the office side, so hard to compete with the Amazons or direct uh, like Dell Direct and things like that. But um, still dirt cheap here. That's why it made this list, this ultimate value stock list. We'll see what happens with the Zacks rank. It's currently a number two, probably will be dropping down there though, but we'll see. We'll see what the analysts think and what happens on that conference call. But um, still some interesting names showing up on this ultimate value screen that I just did. And I really like the uh, screen. You can get it on Zacks.com. And it's uh, one of the preferred, like uh, you have to have Zach's premium to get it. It's not one of the, the freebie ones that's out there, but the classic value stocks or ultimate value as a, I'm just calling them now, I've decided just to rename it. It's gonna be the ultimate value screen now. Uh, that's, it's just a great way to really narrow it down to those that are completely dirt cheap across all metrics. That's hard to do even with the pandemic raging and with a lot of these stocks out of favor. Now, remember, 
there's a lot of value out there, but it's hard to be a value buyer. Like I just indicated, like I saw Office Depot on here or ODP Corp as it's now called. And I was like, ew, do I want that? Do I want to get into that? Even though it's dirt cheap, this is why it's difficult to be a value investor. This is why we're all struggling to be value investors. This is why Warren Buffett is Warren Buffett because he's still buying Bank of America, even though a lot of us are like, ew, about the big banks as well. Um, I don't know many people rushing out to buy those. I do not own one in my own portfolio and I haven't bought them back into my value investor portfolio here at Zacks. We have owned the big banks many times over the years and we own JP Morgan into the pandemic when we sold. And now I'm still kind of waiting to find the right time to get back in. And so we're not in any of the banks in the value investor portfolio here that I run at Zach's. So it's hard to do it, but he's always been a master of looking much further into the future. So while they may appear to be value traps for this year, and then even maybe next year as the uh, earnings don't rebound quite as much as hoped, and aren't back to 2019 yet. He's still looking three to five years out, maybe even 10 years. Yes, even given his age, he's still looking out that far. And he knows that if it's a well-run bank, well-run company, it's gonna turn it around, it's gonna rebound eventually and recover those earnings. So if you can get it cheaper, or if you can get it when everybody is still like, ew, about it, that's when the big winners come in. And he managed to do that with Apple. Um, I'll be interested to see if he's added anything to his Apple position, but the Apple share price, um, not just by price, but by PE now with it over 30 is, is expensive. And I'm not in that one either because of the price. And it's just not a value stock right here. Um, so, Value is still out there. We're still finding it. And this is the 200th episode of us finding it here on the Value Investor Podcast. It's still a great way to invest. Small cap value is historically still the best performing sector in the stock market. Hard to believe, but when you get these big runs in like large cap growth, it seems like the small caps will never come back. But if you have a strong stomach, maybe you can find some out there that fit the bill and you're able to hold on. Now I promised a small cap uh, value stock episode a couple times and also to look maybe at some of the small cap banks, which is even harder category than large cap banks right now. Um, and so I'll be doing that. I'll be covering some more of those over the next uh, couple weeks here. But for now, you know, again, I'm just going with the ultimate value stocks right here with just, just this screen to see if there are any, and there were, there were eight. So let's recap the stocks that I did talk about. I only did three out of the eight, remember? And the first one was Meritage, ticker MTH, that's the home builder. Then I did the solar stock, Canadian Solar, CSIQ is the ticker there. Then we had Old Office Depot, now known as ODP Corp, which is ODP. Then I also talked about two of the big banks. These are the two, one, two that most are get in if you're looking at the big banks. And they are, again, of course, JP Morgan, ticker JPM, and Bank of America, ticker BAC. So 
always be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode of The Value Investor because we're still going strong, heading on to 201 next week. And you can get us on Spotify and you can get us on Apple Podcasts. And if you want the Market Edge as well, which provides a lot of stock picks over there, you can get us on SoundCloud two for one over there. But be sure to get us on any platform. There's some other platforms that we're on as well. And we're working on getting on a couple others. So if you're listening internationally, we are hopeful to get on a couple more soon um, internationally. But um, for now, get us on Spotify. And I'll see you again next week with some more value stocks. This material is being provided for informational purposes only, and nothing herein constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. Do not act or rely upon the information and advice given in this podcast without seeking the services of competent and professional legal, tax, or accounting counsel. Publication and distribution of this podcast is not intended to create, and the information contained herein does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No recommendation or advice is being given as to whether any investment or strategy is suitable for a particular investor. It should not be assumed that any investments in securities, companies, sectors, or markets identified described were or will be profitable. All information is current as of the date herein and is subject to change without notice. Any views or opinions expressed may not reflect those of Zach's investment research as a whole.